Morning. Flowers are great, aren't they? Last Sunday, I prayed I wasn't here either, uh, Chris spoke about Jesus as king. Today I'm talking about another role that Jesus has, the role of priest. Almost all that the uh, Bible says about Jesus being a priest is actually in the book of Hebrews, which refers to Jesus as the high priest. Now next week, Chris will be dealing with other topics out of the book of Hebrews. But today... I'm talking about what Christ and his role of high priest does for us. And in short, to to put it a bit colloquially, he brings our issues before God. The Bible says that we are all sinners. Starting from the first humans, Adam and Eve, sin has been a problem for human beings. And from very early on, God told his people that they had to, hang on, good, uh, pay for their sins. Not with money, but by giving something up. Usually something that they had made an effort on, something that was valuable. The commonest sacrifices were animals, which always had to be killed to count as payment for sins. As it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now as people's, God's people became more numerous, and God made his commands more explicit and easy to follow, one group of people took over handling... Hang on. Oops. Okay. Um, one people took over handling the sacrifices. These people, as it makes note there, were the priests. Their leader was the high priest, and it was he who did the most important sacrifice of the year and went into the Holy of Holies, the place where only the high priest could go, only after a lot of cleansing ceremonies, and then only once a year. Only the high priest could go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies. There was no exception. That was the same curtain which got torn in two. Turning to Jesus, we know that Jesus came and lived on earth, died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead on the third day. We know that if we accept him as our saviour, we get the benefit of his death on the cross. What has previously separated us from God is gone. We are reconciled with God. The death of Jesus dealt with sin once and for all. Jesus was the sacrifice for sin. Previously, the people of God had to offer sacrifices year after year after year. With Jesus, that all ended. So if we're saved through the death of Jesus, what's so important about Jesus Christ being high priest? The first point is here that Jesus actually does two things. He's important in two ways. First, as I said just now, he is sacrifice for our sins. Secondly, I'm sorry, focused on that, um, as Hebrews 9.26 puts it, he has done away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is how we are saved. 
Secondly, he is the priest who offered the sacrifice. This gets slightly confusing, but it's there. As I said earlier, the only way that the sacrifice for people's sin would be properly done would be if the high priest did it. And to put us right with God, there had to be a special high priest to present the sacrifice to God. Jesus was the only person who could be such a high priest. Well, how was that? First, to act on human, sorry, to act on behalf of human beings. Um, where was I? To act, to act on our behalf, he had to be a human being himself. However, because he was also God, he, he was free of sin, so he couldn't sin. So no cleansing rituals were necessary. By being a human being and by being without sin, Jesus was uniquely qualified to bring the sacrifice of himself to God. Therefore, to summarise, Christ as high priest made himself a sacrifice for sin, a sacrifice that was complete and sufficient once and for all, in every way. That's the first way that Jesus being high priest is relevant to us. The second aspect is that Jesus continually brings us near to God. Remember that in the Jewish religion, the priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year? Jesus changed this. For starters, in Luke 23, 45, which Susan read, it records that as Jesus died, the curtain that blocked the view into the Holy of Holies was torn in two. A place which had been closed off, nobody had ever been into, apart from very few people, was exposed to public view. It was torn from top to bottom. And that's like the, change, the type of change which the death of Jesus Christ has achieved for us. Hebrews 6 verses 19 to 20 refer to the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And it notes that he has become a priest forever. All the rules of how governing all the rules governing how humans reach out to God changed at that point. With Jesus as our high priest, he's with God all the time. We can rely on that. And we should rely on that. Jesus has opened the door. We have access to God. This is something we can hold on to, something we can hope in. I'm sure that most of us have seen films where someone is hanging onto a rope, dangling a long way off the ground. Maybe the rope is fraying, a few threads breaking every now and again, and the rope's getting weaker and weaker. The person hanging onto the rope is hoping for dear life that the rope will hold until someone pulls them up, or they're able to shimmy up the rope themselves. Well, the good news is, is that our hope in Jesus, our hope in God, is quite different from that. Back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. The writer talks about this hope 
this hope, this pleading which we have, entering into the Holy of Holies in heaven. The writer compares our hope to an anchor that is fixed and reliable. It's not going to come out, come loose. It's not going to snap or fracture. To put it in another way, God's not going to slam the door on us. No one's going to cut the rope that we're holding on to to, to reach out to God. Through Jesus, we have guaranteed access to God. This is one way that biblical Christianity is different from what happens in some branches of Christianity and in other religions. We don't need special people to help us reach God. There aren't all sorts of rules and requirements to meet before we can approach God. The truth and fact that the death of Christ has given us direct access to God makes it much easier for us to relate to God. Okay, when I was speaking last month, I made the point that God has given us all we need to live for him. We have continuous access to God through prayer. Having direct access to God means that we can focus on praying and reading his word. We know that he hears us. Everything that might block our prayers has been removed. With Jesus as high priest, having brought his sacrifice to God, guaranteeing us access to God, fellowship with God, as we say, has literally never been easier. And as Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22 put it, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. There are only two requirements. First, we need to have a sincere heart. What have I got up there? Um, yes, I'm sorry, I can't quite read it down the far end. Uh, we, we have to be real when we reach out for God. We have to be authentic. And secondly, full assurance of faith, which means to be certain, fully trusting. As it says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So with those met, let's pray confidently and authentically. Read his word, listen to him, concentrate on getting to know him better. Now what I've talked about so far is what Christ has done for us as high priest. Sacrifice, giving us access. Does that mean that that's finished? No. He is still there for us, making sure that every need we have is known to God, every need we want to, we want to express. How does that work? I mean, surely God knows everything that we could possibly ask for. So how does Christ help? Think about our situation as human beings before God. We think we know what we want. We think we know what we need. 
even if we aren't being specifically selfish or greedy, when we pray, we'd still like God to make things comfortable and easy for us. Really, I can identify with that. To bring our friends and loved ones to faith faster. We want God to deal with situations that upset us. But is that everything we really need? Or might we pray prayers that God likes to say yes to? Yes, there are prayers like that. We can ask him to teach us or help us to learn things. Or we might have a ministry of intercession. But sometimes our pursuit of holiness and our enthusiasm to see God bless others can blind us to our own real needs. And sometimes we prefer to think, not to think, about some of the things that go on in our lives and minds. But, so, what if we don't know what we should tell God? Or if we can't put our thoughts into words? Do we miss out on being heard? That's where Christ helps us. We know that he has given us the Holy Spirit who reminds us of what God, sorry, of what Jesus spoke about and guides us into righteousness. In 1 John 2 verse 1 it says that when we sin we have an advocate in the presence of God and that advocate is Christ Jesus. And Hebrews tells us in chapter 7 verse 25 that Christ brings our needs to God on our behalf. There are times when we can't put our needs into words. In Romans 8 verses 26 and 27 it says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Here it says that the Spirit intercedes. Or as one translation puts it, the Spirit begs for us before God. Christ makes sure that God hears our needs. And while these verses talk about the Holy Spirit, they are ultimately also about Christ, as God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the triune God, the Trinity. As it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, God is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now when we intercede for others, for example for Christians overseas as we did earlier, we often don't personally know what they're going through. When we pray for Christians in Nigeria and Mozambique and in some other places for example, we don't know what's going through their minds when they go to church and go on with their daily lives, we don't share their, much of the, some of their experience. For example, GPC doesn't have to post lookouts outside our church to warn us when the local jihadis are coming after us with AK-47s and machetes. That's where Jesus interceding for us is different. Jesus is God, but he became a human being. He knows what life on earth was, is like, he lived in a land controlled by a brutal empire for all the great things that the Roman civilization did. It was pretty rough if you weren't a Roman. During his ministry, he experienced hatred and rejection. And on the cross, he experienced 
far, far more than anything I feel comfortable saying. And Jesus was tempted too. At the start of his ministry in the wilderness, Satan offered him prosperity and success, an entirely different and much more comfortable journey than what he had been sent on. And at the end of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked God the Father to spare him from going to the cross and taking on the sin of the world. The anguish of that had him seemingly sweating blood. As a man, Jesus would have wanted out. But as the Son of God, he submitted to God's will. You see, as high priest, Jesus is not some religious remote figure out of touch with what it's like to be truly human. In Hebrews 4 verse 15 it says we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. And in Hebrews 2 chapter, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 18 it says, because he himself was tempted, sorry, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So when Jesus intercedes, when Jesus prays on our behalf, when Jesus goes to God on our behalf, he knows exactly how we feel. God hears what our needs are. We are his children and he loves us. So what does all this mean for us? First, it means that we are linked to God. Or to put it another way, we have fellowship with him. How does that affect us? Let me give you an example. I work for a large company. I know who the CEO is. But if I came across something that I thought required her attention, I couldn't just go straight into her office. In fact, I seriously doubt she would know who I am or what my role is. In any case, I don't think she takes walk-ins. As a minimum, I'd have to make an appointment. And I'd probably only get that if there was absolutely no other alternative to seeing her. By contrast, while God is our CEO, so to speak, he knows everyone, better even than we know ourselves. To talk to him, we don't have to make an appointment. Jesus has opened the door for us. God knows our story, and he knows why we're coming. We can go right in. And God deals with our problems himself. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us we can approach God with confidence. We're not going to be struck by lightning. We don't, we don't, we don't need to get our lives cleaned up before we can pray for God, pray to him. God accepts us and hears our prayer no matter where we're at. Sometimes it might, we might not feel like approaching God. I venture to suggest that at times like that, that's when we need to be praying. But it's more than just having access to God. Christ brings our needs to him. Christ brings to God the prayers of our heart. Sometimes we don't quite pray the right thing, or maybe in the right way, we're not totally clear. If somebody was listening to us, they might think, mm, not sure, not sure I'm actually hearing him properly. But that doesn't mean our prayers are wasted or that we have to start again. 
God isn't a computer or a machine that will only give us what we want if we use certain words or phrases or the correct password. Prayer isn't a Christian version of magic either, where if you say particular formulas, things will happen. God, our God, is in heaven. He's not in Hogwarts. Christ hears the cry of our heart more clearly than we can ever articulate it, even on the best of our days. As our intercessor, as an intercessor, Christ the Son, our High Priest, ensures that God the Father hears what we're really praying and what our needs are. God hears you. 60 or 70 years ago, a Romanian pastor by the name of Richard Wurmbrandt was being tortured in a communist jail. On one occasion, he wasn't being beaten. He was in solitary confinement. But he wasn't sitting in silence. No, the cell was reverberating with noise. Wurmbrandt could hardly think. He tried to pray, even the Lord's Prayer, but he couldn't concentrate. All he could pray was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He survived. His faith intact, and after 14 years in jail, he was finally released. Even if you can't pray, or you don't feel like it, or if you can't put the words together, if all you're aware of is that you need God, God will know. God is there interceding for us. He can take all, we can take all our needs to God. And Christ ensures that God hears all our needs. Brothers and sisters, we aren't on our own. Christ is there for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know where everyone in this congregation is at. You know our needs. Father, we ask for just the continued awareness of your presence and that you are listening to us. Even if the heavens are like brass, we know that you are there and you hear. We thank you for the, for the high priest who has made possible made it possible for us to get to you and who helps us in our prayers. Thank you, Lord. Amen.